John, I want to welcome you to the show today. I'm, I'm really pumped up that you joined us, and I appreciate you coming. And, Thanks for uh, having me. You know, I went to the Larks game the other night. Some beautiful weather. Things are happening. Yes. Things are going well. Yes. Huh? Well, it's, uh, you know, obviously with everything going on, it's, you know, all things considered, we have had a great season. The weather has been yeah. fantastic, and we're just happy to be playing baseball. So, so you know, this whole COVID thing has been really interesting for, for a lot of businesses and just, you know, the, the United States in general. Yep. But what how did you like when this was happening what were some of the thought processes and some of the things that you were concerned about and then how the heck did you guys come to 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 allow the season to happen and and, and what kind of took place in order to do that I think that's a really interesting story for everybody to hear yeah well I mean I it's hard to imagine this I think if you live in Bismarck but we at the time we were the only baseball team that I know of in America that was playing games with fans in the stands yep. and you know again I, I have to give a lot of credit to our our staff, our team, the state of North Dakota, because there, there's a lot of things that happen to make it come together. But, you know, really, too, it's a lot of, I would say, luck. I mean, we live in a great state. Um, you know, our cases were down. And so, you know, we were able to take advantage, I think, of when the governor announced guidelines, what they were going to be. You know, we saw them early, and then we were able to act really quickly, which got us to where we, we were a lot earlier than anybody else. But just to kind of go back in time, I mean, I'll never forget uh, March, mid-March. I was actually in Jamaica. My, my wife and I always take a trip right at the end of February, early March, because we know the season's going to get crazy. And again, you know, everyone heard about COVID, COVID-19 or coronavirus, but it right. really wasn't a threat here, you know. And so we went on our trip, and I mean, literally, John, every single day on our trip, it was beautiful out, sunny, you know, great service. We'd go in, though, and turn the news on, and it was NBA canceled, 1,000 cases in the U.S., stock market crash. And I'm like you know, what, what does this mean? And then, you know, that trip back, you know, immediately it was like, Johnny, you should stay at the office. My wife had a quarantine for 14 days and really quickly it hit me. What if we don't have a baseball season, you know? And so I would say for about a, a month and a half, terrifying. Um, but then we were able to, uh, I was very fortunate to get on a, one of the governor's committees advising him for guidance of, you know, large venues and how they could reopen. And that was on May 4th. Cause I won't forget it. I remember being on the call and them saying, Hey, we are going to have guidelines to reopen, and it's going to be based off capacity, not off a limit. Because if you remember at the time, yeah. you could only have 10 people or more in a gathering. Right. right. So when we heard that, that it could be based off a of capacity, so what we still had a distance, we had to be smart, we had to have good hygiene. That's when immediately we went into hyperdrive. You know, literally within four weeks, we planned an entirely new season, got our got our fans, got our sponsors on board, and that's what allowed us to play baseball June fifteenth. That's just crazy. So, yeah. so is there people that you know, when this is happening, all of the all the things that are going on as it relates to the conversations that you're having with the the governor's committees, the yep. things that you know, what you're understanding from far as guidelines on who who in your world was instrumental in creating a season in, in a four week period of time to get yep. it launched because yep. you know, you have sponsors, right? I yep. mean, and you had to communicate to them, yep. right? Cause the sponsorships are contributing large sums of money as well. And yep. they got to look at it from their rate of return perspective. Oh yeah. Perspective. And just, you know, so is there certain people that, that you have in, in your well realm of influence that were instrumental in, in helping you Huge. Great, yeah, because great, and great I, I think the guidelines truly were that trigger. Now, luckily for us, we've built great relationships with our sponsors, our fans. We have an amazing yeah. staff. So even in the uncertain time, 
we had, I mean, our arc, it was all about communication, letting fans know where we were in the process, what to expect. We, were, we, were, we always said from the get-go, we're going to do the right thing. You know, if we don't have a season, we're going to allow people to push it the next year. You know, we, we've, we, we can't lose people's trust. That was the number one thing because this might, you know, we see this as hopefully a short-term blip on the radar. We don't want to jeopardize the long-term future of our business. So luckily for us, we had zero sponsors, and I would say only about 5% of fans that really said, hey, we're just – not comfortable with this. We want to push it, you know, no matter what you guys do. But mm-hmm. when we knew we had that, now was all, you know, our, our sponsors and our fans were on board as long as we could do something safe that was in accordance with guidelines. Yeah. Then it was about, okay, what can we do? And I, I again, we have two two of our local owners here, Glenn Bosch and Terry Daffenroot. Glenn is a representative uh, in the state legislator. You know, that was a huge deal working with him and also being on that committee because once we kind of knew, hey, you know, Governor Bergen wants to be smart. We're going to be data-driven, but we are going to find a way to reopen, you know, and be North Dakota smart, as now everyone right. knows. That's when we immediately were able to then jump on and go, okay, what are the guidance? What, what are we going to do? And, you know, I, I, I let up most of that, um, talking with the, the Department of Health, talking with Bismarck Public Health, talking with the, uh, the governor's office, the Department of Commerce. You know, there were so many different facets to kind of help us build the plan. But, you know, when we knew we had to go, you know, I'll, I'll, I'll innovate. I'll work harder than anybody else, but I just wanted to know, I had to know we, we could do something. Where, where could we go? And once right. we knew that, then it was just hit the ground running. And so now what you've done is you took, what was it, a 32 home game schedule? 36, 36 yeah. 36, and then you just basically doubled that Yeah. To, to create the same home environment based on the guidelines and the capacity rules. Is that? Yes. Is that so we, we immediately, you know, we saw, saw capacity. So, you know, from a fan standpoint, I thought, okay, we're going to probably at most get to 40% because even most people would go, what about 50? You, you can't distance and be at 50%. You know, mm-hmm. it's just the math doesn't work. So then it's like, well, that's going to be a major fall short of, you know, we sold out 97% of our tickets last year. So from a budget perspective, from just a business perspective, a sponsor rate of return perspective, it's like, man, that's going to be really tough to, you know, deliver as much value as we wanted to. And then it just hit me, well, what if we double the games? You know, and that's that's not an easy feat because, you know, we have 22 teams in our league, most are in Minnesota, Wisconsin. But I immediately it hit me as well with everything going on in different states operating at different timelines, trusting a Minnesota team or a Wisconsin team to come here. And what if one of their players gets sick and they can't come? There's so much jeopardy when you start bringing all these different state teams into it. Uh, you know, I, I, I called the Northwoods League up and thank God our league was very nimble and very adaptive. But I said, guys, what if I could recruit three teams right here and they just played each other and we played 72 games can I do it? I'll, we'll pay for everything, hotels, the meals, you know, we'll make sure we pull it off, but can you let us do it? And thank God they did. And, you know, I got to also give a lot of credit, Bismarck Parks and Rec, you know, that playing that many games on the field can tear it up, you know, right. and so I, I didn't think we'd be able to play 72 games. And they said, how can we help? Let's figure out a plan. And so again, all these different partners, you know, we say the word partner a lot of times, but it's, it's times like this that really show you who's a partner in a real relationship rather than a, a business acquaintance right. or someone you just have to work with, you know, and everyone came together to make the season come alive. Was it challenging to get to – so how did you come up with three-term yep. teams versus five? Was it just yeah. because of revenue and cost and what you guys yep. could, could it's really a great, afford to do? It's a or? great question. Three, you know, two, two would have been financially better, but, right. but then you got to think for 72 games from a competition standpoint, you know, will the guys then see the same arms and it's just right. not good competition? Do fans get tired of it? And we, we even still have some fans that are like, you know, 
I'd rather not watch three teams. I like seeing the nine teams. And of course we like seeing more teams come right. in, but from a, from a financial and a competitive balance, three made the most sense because then at least, you know, guys can rotate. They see different, they see different arms. Not every night you're seeing the same pitcher, which can change the lineups. Mm-hmm. So three just made the most sense from trying to maximize that competitive versus economic balance. So is there, is there any trading in the league amongst players? Uh, there's not, you there's know, not so players, yeah, so. it's, it's an interesting question. What can happen in, in, in a year, uh, teams can waive a guy. If they waive a guy, then another team could pick them up, mm. but there's no like trades in season. Cause the, the problem from a competitive standpoint is there's a lot of teams in our league owned by the same owners. So they, they actually, you, if you waive a guy, that wave player cannot be picked up by a, a same ownership team. Okay. Because if you did that, then there's some groups that, you know, they might stack the deck and right. wave, wave the guys wave they got. And then, and then, you know, right. their big mothership team that might have the most fans or be in the biggest market, they right. make them a powerhouse every single year. So, so there, there's, some, there's some rules there. And then yeah. this year, it's kind of wild because, because we have three. Um, we actually, so usually you have the rights to a guy. So if you keep the rights, he can't go to another team unless you waive him. But, but you know, for this year, our coach started salivating because he's like, I got three rosters I can pick from for right. next year, you know. So is but, there, but the league not, let, said no. They said no to they that, even though no. all the teams are here and they're not, I mean. Even yeah, for, just from a, because you can look at it, think about really it. Some teams, some teams aren't even playing. So they're at a real disadvantage because they right. don't even have any guys on roster. So, and, and it makes sense, you know, and it's a bummer because our coach is like, well, I recruited those, you know, two yeah. of those teams. And one team, I don't know if you're familiar with this or, you know, the, the listeners, but. Um, we, one of our teams is actually the roster from Thunder Bay, Canada, uh, with all the border closing, Thunder Bay was not going to operate. And so we called them and said, Hey, if we give your American players a chance to play, we'll pay your coaches. You know, would you be willing to do that? And they said, that's fine. So the Mandan Flickertails are actually the, the Thunder Bay border cats team. Yeah. Yeah. yeah even in a, I just find it interesting though, amongst the trading, because even if that I get that the teams own the rights of these players, but this is such a unique situation. Yeah. To where just through the season they could, I mean, because you could create yep. quite a, even with three teams, you could create multiples maybe of six different teams if you trade the players amongst the teams and create different. You could, we could have, you know, and then you got, you got, we have strict uh, pitching guidelines, yep. you know, so like a guy can't pitch more than 30 pitches in an inning. If he pitches over 80 in a game, he has to sit out for three days. If he pitches more than a hundred, four. So, so it gets a little weird if you start dividing up the talent too much, because then you run out of, basically it all comes down to pitching. You run out of arms. Right. Position players can play every single day. Um, you know, but, but that's kind of where, you know, there's no, no trades. The only situation that might happen this year is, you know, what, what's kind of funky is a lot of these guys right now have no idea what's happening with their school. I was just going to ask that question. So, so, you know, we're literally, we have a five day break coming up in early August and a lot of guys are going, Hey, like we want to stay, but we don't know if we're supposed to report back yet or not. So they might be heading home that week. So we are actually recruiting almost an entire second wave of players to maybe come in in August and play those last 25 games for us this year. Now, luckily coach has a lot of contacts and we feel good about right. that, but, um, you're gonna have like a whole wave of guys out and guys in. I mean, are you are you are some of these players? Because a lot of these guys are Division One athletes. Yep. And are, are you know scholarship athletes? Are you seeing? Are are they hearing different things? Are they knowing if there's gonna be a season? Are the are the schools honoring scholarships? Are they, you know, I guess from that perspective. Yep. I, I, I've even heard that some some schools have canceled their programs. Uh, we have. Uh, I believe it's six players or almost. I think it might be eight players. Four on the Bull Moose and four on the. Um, flicker tails that are are the Larks team that are from uh, Boise State and literally during our season Boise State canceled their program 
These guys don't have a place to go. No scholarship money, nothing. Now, luckily, they're here. This is the best place they could be because they're getting at bats, and our coaches are actually, I think a couple guys are already picked up by some other programs. Right. So they'll be able to find a home. But, no, it is an extremely uncertain time. And I, I try to remind them, again, it's a bunch of 19- to 22-year-old kids that just don't get really what's happening. They're like, why, you know, why can't we go out? Why, why can't right. we autograph stuff <clears throat> for the fans? And it's like, guys, this right now, playing baseball in the, in the sun, each other, you know, this is not real. You know, this is not what the rest of the country is doing. And so, um, you know, we've really had a harp on them. because, And now they're, I think they're starting to see it because their coaches are saying, we don't know if you're going to come back. There's already some conferences that have pushed all fall sports in the spring. There's a, I think there's one conference that has already canceled some spring sports, and I think more is going to come. So very uncertain time for these student athletes that, you know, just A, they're schooling, but B, right. are they going to be able to play? Well, and, you know, it's interesting too, and, and I guess it's, it, you know, NCAA rules or, or you know, certain colleges, but, you know, to have a scholar athlete, right, to go into a school to where you expect your tuition to be covered and all of a sudden it, for it yep. to get dropped. I know some programs, I believe, have at least honored the scholarships. Yep. But Boise, they didn't do that, huh? Well, Boise canceled the entire pro. I mean, literally, baseball is gone. They will never have it again. They canceled that and I think two other sports. Um, but, yeah, I mean, you know, you'd hope <clears throat> the universities do the right thing. And, you know, I, I – I'd imagine if school's in session and the program's still in place, they're going to honor the scholarships. Right. But it's a scary time financially for everybody. I mean, a university right. and a college, you know, they're, they're on that same list. I mean, there's only so much state funding that, you know, some of them do well, get. And so, so much of their revenue comes from, you know, obviously football or some of the bigger programs, sure. right? But if they don't have the, the, the fan capacity yep. or the... The revenue it's going to be it's going to be an interesting time so hopefully yeah. we can get through this a lot of uncertainty and i think we got lucky again being in this summer i'd say bubble and again now things are tracking up and it's kind of getting worrisome again but we're just hopeful we want to get through the season we're halfway there you know again get these guys there at bats keep them healthy keep them safe we have a lot of guidelines in place for fans for employees for the players yeah. and again so far knock on knock on wood we've been really lucky and have not had a single you know issue yeah. health-wise or anything thus far which is which is huge so let's take a step back because yep. I, I know that, you know, just from our relationship and the things that we've heard, but I think it'd be fun for the, the listeners to kind of just bring back to how you got into this role sure, yeah, and kind of your love for baseball and just how this transpired because I think you got a pretty cool story. Yeah, so I, let's, I... Let's go back to the beginning, I guess, about John. Okay, well, how much time do we got? Uh, we can record My wife would just start <laughs> snoring right now here in this, but uh, no, you know, I, I really believe that I'm the luckiest guy on the face of this earth, like Lou Gehrig once said at a, yeah. at a Yankees game. You know, I... Born and raised in St. Louis, Missouri. Always loved baseball. Grew up a Cardinals fan. You know, I'm the most spoiled Cardinals fan. McGuire, and then you get, you know, you had pool right. holes, two World Series. You know, I mean, it's love watching them. And and I, I played growing up. You know, my dad was a really good college baseball player. Never was as good as him. You know, I couldn't hit the ball. Did you play college ball? I didn't. I didn't. So I okay. played it. I played in high school. I got up to JV, starting left fielder. Yeah. And I played a really good school in St. Louis. It was at the Smet Jesuit High School. Had a lot, lot of talent oh. on all the athletic programs. And I, I wasn't able to swing it, uh, pun intended, uh, in terms of the game. But I always loved it. And my favorite part, honestly, about the game was not just I love the game of baseball and I love what it means and what it teaches and just, you know, watching it. But I, I really love the experience, right? Like my favorite thing was going to the ballpark with my mom, my dad, my grandpa, my brother, and being a part of the McGuire home run race or, you know, watching the cap dance on the screen. And, you know, just, right. just what that meant and how no matter what was going on in our lives or with our family or, you know, whatever – you know, we all have those memories of games growing right. up with our family and our friends, right? I mean, there's yep. something about being at a ballpark. 
So I, I've kind of fell in love with that. I've always been growing up kind of a ham and trying to entertain people and make people <laughs> laugh. I just, that makes me happy, you know? Right. And so when I went to school, I had no idea what I wanted to do with my life. I was a psychology major at first. You know, thank goodness I, I'm not a shrink. That would, I, feel, I, I would have more, I'd do more damage than I would good. But, but uh, my, when I, I was a freshman, my buddy said, or my buddy was like, yeah, hey, then there's this uh, entertainment management major. And I'm thinking, wait, you can like work in sports? Like that's, you know, I, I, I love, I love in psychology, I love why people think the way they do. It's right. kind of that marketing, why do you do what you do? And yeah. I, I found that really interesting. And, you know, I, I started a fraternity and I was there with some buddies and I quickly, like I ran a golf tournament and I loved that, right? Like I loved recruiting the players and the operations and the, right. the marketing and how do we do this? How do we make it fun? And then, you know, I was the president of my fraternity and then I was like, okay, I got to manage people and I want to be the best at this and this. Yeah. So I, again, I, I didn't know at the time, but I, I realized I was loved with, like business and, 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 and setting a culture and, and leading people, but I wanted to put it towards something that I was really passionate about, and I think that was sports. Mm -hmm. And so when I, I got into this major, again, kind of fell in love with it, and I got my real first shot uh, when I got an internship with the Springfield Cardinals. That was the double-A okay. team of the St. Louis Cardinals. Um, I, they, I, I started my internship in February, ended in September. I worked 72 home games, sold $25,000 in tickets for them, and I got a windbreaker and a polo. That was my compensation. <laughs> was they no longer have that program anymore. Right. I, don't, I wonder why. But, uh, but I, I will... That was invaluable for me because I remember being, you know, everyone's first sales call, you know, right. like, oh, God, I, I, this is, I'm so uncomfortable and nervous. And I was literally shaking on the phone. And I, I had to talk to this little old woman who had bought, like, five years ago some tickets. Yeah. And, I, you know, they gave us the list that was, like, the worst freaking cold call list, right. you know. And, and I, I literally had a 30-minute conversation with her about her grandkids and how much fun yeah. they were taking them out. And I got off that call. She bought a couple of tickets. And I was like, this is it, man. I'm, yeah. I get to sell fun. I'm right. selling happiness. And so, you know, after that, I kind of knew that's what I wanted to do. I was very lucky. I, I, was, I got accepted into a, a great grad program at Ohio University. If you don't know much about it, it's, it's uh, the number one, uh, oldest and number one sports master's program in the country. It was actually started okay. by the owner of the Dodgers back in the 60s because they didn't have any sport administrators at the time. Okay. And so you don't go there for what you learn, even though I, I learned a good amount, you know, but mm -hmm. I don't really remember like the subjects I right. learned, sure. you go there for the alumni and the relationships. Yep. And so you, literally when I got there, I got this book, they call it the Green Bible. And you look through it and it's every single team, league, organization that you can think of. And at every level of that organization, we had some alumni. And they, they kind of joke in the sports world, the Ohio family is called the Green Mafia. Because okay. literally, and the whole thing is about family. You're supposed to call an alum, within 48 hours, they'll get back to you and they'll help okay. you out, talk to you, you know, give you some advice. And that really opened my world up for, okay, it's not just get the first job I can want to get. You know, how can I truly build a career doing what I love and, you know, giving back, but, you know, loving what I do every day in the sports world. Mm -hmm. And so that got me to meet a guy that changed my life um, by the name of Dick Raditz. And so Dick, Dick owns the whole league. Northwoods League chairman of the league. At the time when I met Dick, I knew nothing about summer collegiate baseball. You know, I yeah. thought, is this like youth sports or high right. school? Like, what is this? You know, yeah. and um, and Dick was assigned as my mentor. I'd put him down on a list of five people I wanted to be my mentor, and and Dick, we had assigned to me. So I said, okay, well, let me let me give this guy a call, and I'll never forget. My buddies are talking to the VP of the Blues and VP yeah. of this, and they're like, oh, we talked for twenty minutes. It was so cool. And I get Dick on the phone and I go, Mr. Raditz, it's you know, John Bollinger. He's like, John, Dick, I just want you to know we're, we're going to do this right. I don't, I'm not going to talk to you on the phone today. I goes, if I'm going to be your mentor, I want to meet you. 
We're going to fly down to my house in Florida. I'm going to meet my wife, and we're going to see how we can truly help you with what you want to do with your career. Wow. And I get off the phone with him. I go, who the heck is this guy? You know, yeah. and so he flies me down. Literally, it's like that story of, I, you know, get off the escalator. I got a guy's got my name on the, you know, yeah. John Bollinger, the limo yeah. driver. They pick me up. I'm going, where the heck am I going? Go down to Point of Vedra Beach, you know, real nice, nice, nice house. Pull in. Dick opens the door to his house. He's got a bathrobe on, literally, with the Northwoods League logo <laughs> on it. That's how this guy's, you know, this the greatest guy, larger yeah. than life I've ever met. And he just literally, from the day he met me, first day, he just said, bring it in, brother. He gave mm. me a huge hug. And from there, he literally said, John, if you work hard, and, you know, if I, you know, I, I want to help you, uh, you know, whatever you want to do. But if you want to work in this league and you're successful, he goes, one day I want you to own your own baseball team. Cool. And I, I thought at 24 years old, like, you know, is this guy just selling me? Like, what is this? You know, this, right. sounds, too, this sounds too good to be true. And right. sure as heck, I, the day I graduated, I had a job offer down in uh, uh, Daytona Beach, Florida. International Motor Speedway would have been uh, working for the company that owns 13 NASCAR tracks. Um, Daytona wow. Beach, Watkins Glen, I've been flying across the country selling corporate partnerships, you know, big time businesses. Big time business, yeah. And Dick offered me the chance to go to Kalamazoo, Michigan and start what is now the Kalamazoo Growlers baseball team. So I said, you know what, I, I'm going to try. If, if two years in, three years in, this, you know, just doesn't work yeah. out, I could, there's still opportunities, but. This just sounds like too much fun. Again, the chance to run my own baseball team, going mm -hmm. back to the fraternity, everything else I learned. Yeah. I thought, who gets a chance to do this? And so I went there. My buddy Brian and I started it. Three years, really successful. And then, again, I'll never forget Dick uh, on the tee box after the second season. He goes, John, he goes, I got your, I got your team. I told you you could have a chance to be an owner. I got your team if you want to go and you want to take it. And I said, Dick. I said, you, of course, you know, where, where am I going, man? Right. I'm, I'm in. And he said, Bismarck, North Dakota. <laughs> and then he goes, he's an amazing golfer, pipes a 300-yard drive yeah. right down the fairway. And I'm like, what the, yeah, <laughs> you know, like, oh, my God, I'm dating my wife at the time. Right. Like, shoot, I'm, this, how am I going to sell her? I love here. It's cold. You know, what's, what's in Bismarck? Right. But thank God I did because we moved up here. And, again, the, the Bismarck Larks has become one of the most successful summer collegiate baseball teams in the entire country and this community we had big dreams and i i had some really we had some really big ideas to do things differently but we could never have done it without this community and the support yeah. and so i'm just incredibly thankful and i think i've told you this but i my wife and i recently purchased the team from dick okay. um uh, just you know last year and so yeah. it is our our team awesome. we we own it and and operate it with along with two other um, local owners and yeah. so you know i'm 31 years old years old and i get to live out my dream of that's awesome. Owning and running a baseball team. So, so what, was, what was Dick's background? I mean, he's obviously owning yeah. the team, but he, he probably was involved in other businesses and things like that. You know, no, so, so he has a fascinating story as well. You know, again, I think you know, he taught me early on, and he said this to me. He said, John, you know, because everyone's trying to chase success. What is success? And he, right. and he said, John, I always thought this. He goes, I always thought money would be the easy part. He goes, I always thought if I wanted to make money, I could. Mm -hmm. And he had buddies that went on Wall Street or did this and that. They made a lot of money, but they weren't happy. Mm -hmm. And he said, he goes, I always wanted to do what I loved. He said, don't mess, don't mess up two decisions. Have a job you love and marry the right person. Yep. He goes, if you do those two things right, you're going to be pretty happy. Right. And so his story, he's a baseball guy. His dad, uh, Dick Raddatz Sr., I don't know if you know that name, but his famous MLB pitcher uh, okay. back in the 60s, he actually still holds the major league record for most strikeouts by a reliever back when relievers would throw a ton of innings, you right. know. 
and they called him the monster. Mickey Mantle actually gave his dad that nickname okay. because he was a, he was six four, just gregarious guy on the mound. Yeah. And I think he struck Mantle out like forty four out of sixty six times. That's crazy. And so he was that monster, and yeah. the, the press picked it up, and that's what they called him. Um, Willie Mays still to this day said he was the toughest pitcher he ever faced. Said the baseball looked like an aspirin in his hand. Okay. So Dick grew up with the game, loved right. the game. He went to OU as well back in the 80s, okay. and when he got out, went down to Vero Beach, Florida, ran the, a team down there for, for the Florida State League. Uh, he actually was the GM up uh, uh, and, and, uh, for the Red Sox up in Pawtucket for their minor league system. So again, baseball guy through and through, and then one day got this idea. You know, at the time, back in the uh, early 90s, there was, there was very limited summer collegiate baseball. They were all non-for-profit, all funded by Major League Baseball, and again, the Cape Cod, Alaskan League, right. some of these really popular leagues. But if you went, you know, it was high school fields, that, you know, free admission. You know, it would just, it, you know, you went there to show off, but there was no, like, minor league experience. Right. And Dick got the idea of, you know, hey, I'm going to, what if I started a for-profit summer collegiate baseball league up in the upper Midwest where mm -hmm. people are looking for things to do? What if we did it? You know, and his wife at the time, she actually just retired from Citigroup Bank. She was the senior vice president of Global HR. Okay. You know, so she she was kind of on her career, and Dick, right. you know, was kind of doing you know doing his thing, right. and they got together and said, "Let's start this." So they got some investors, they got some some friends, pulled the money together, and Dick moved out to Rochester, Minnesota, back in I think it was the early '90s. You know, on on a dream. I mean, mm. literally a dream. And started the Northwoods League. And how many teams are there right now? Now there's 26 or 22 teams. Uh -huh. uh, the league's been around 26 years, and it is the most successful summer collegiate baseball league in history. It's been around for 26 years. 26 years. Yeah, wow. started it in the early 90s. So what made him want to have a team up in Bismarck? Yeah, so 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 again, most of our the teams started in Rochester. So the mm -hmm. the original teams were actually in the Minnesota area. Then we kind of and then and also Wisconsin. Um, there's a team now in Iowa. It's kind of crept from there. It's grown into Michigan. Uh, a lot of people don't know this, but we actually, the league in its infancy had teams in Grand Forks and in Minot. Now, okay. at the time, you know, it, it, it's funny. You, you have to have a strong league to survive, but really how a team is successful as its owner-operator. Because, you know, right. Dick can only be so many places and so many right. times. And so you've got to have successful management on the ground. And, you know, again, for one way or the other, you know, team, this is not an easy business, especially in no. smaller markets where you got to sell, you know, got to get sponsors involved. So, you know, the team for about seven years was kind of, hey, this team started, this team went under and kind of, mm -hmm. you know, went around. And, and then, you know, probably the big break was uh, we got a team in Madison, Wisconsin, the Madison Mallards, major metropolitan area, you know, really great ownership group, great management group. That started taking off. Dick was able to sell some of the other teams because at the time, too, he was running the teams and the league. You know, I mean, literally, you know, running, the, you know, running here, right. running there. I mean, you know, you know, starting the business, yeah. you got to kind of grind it out for a couple of years. And yeah. then, you know, probably that eighth, ninth, tenth year, I mean, it just, it, you know, had some great, great management groups, some great markets. And really, he could start to get picky on where he wanted to go. So long, that's a long way to get to Bismarck. But Basically, Minnesota, Wisconsin, and now really Michigan has kind of been saturated from the Northwoods. Like every market that doesn't have a quote-unquote minor league team, a single-A, double-A, triple-A team, we have a, a team there. And so North Dakota really became that next frontier. And while we're kind of out on an island, you know, Dick had always seen Bismarck as a great opportunity. It just didn't have the facility back when Dick was looking at it seven right. or ten years ago. Now it does. Now it does. So that, that happened, I think, back in 2013, 14 was when the uh, you know municipal ballpark got renovated. Right. From there, Dick started conversations with the park district, and then you know 2016, fall 2016, we were on the ground running. Yeah. Well, because you know you 
I've heard you say a couple of times and it, you know, I mean, we've already talked a little bit about this, but you know, the idea of that you guys aren't just selling baseball tickets, you're selling fun. Yep. Right. And so to have that, I guess, mindset of the marketing and the, and the things that you guys do and how you really engage the community through social media and things like that. So what, yep. you know, I think that's really interesting. So what, what are the challenges um, that you see to continue to come up with new content, things yep. like that? I mean, is it, is it a challenge or is it just be who you are and your nature of entertainment? Is that just yeah. kind of how you... Yeah, it's a great question. I, I think we, I think it should always be a challenge. Even if you built something that is successful or viewed as successful, you know, if you don't innovate, you're going to die. I mean, look mm -hmm. at COVID nineteen. I think it's stressed right. everybody. Yeah, you had a restaurant that you worked this way for so many years. Guess what? You got to innovate and adapt, or you're going right. to go away. And so, you know, we, to your point, we came in with this mantra: we're not selling baseball. And you know, the big baseball fans will get upset when I say that, but yeah. we know the baseball fans going to come because we're right. the only baseball team in mm -hmm. town. What we were really selling is family entertainment. And mm -hmm. so when you look at our mission statement, it's not win every game or, you know, yeah. you know, hit as many home runs as possible. It's, you know, how do we use fun to make a difference? Mm -hmm. And that drives every decision, you know. And, and, and so when it came from our how we're going to sell tickets, how we're going to market, how do we design our sponsorships, what do we put in our, par our partnership platforms, we took on this, this, this mantra that if we can be the fun people in town, we can be the place that, yeah, you can go buy a bunch of ads, buy a bunch of radio ads, TV ads. That's awesome. But if, if you can come to the, if fans come to the ballpark and feel good about it, and that sponsor out there isn't buying advertising, they're supporting the community and giving back and helping bring fun into your life, it's almost, you're, you're going to feel, they're going to feel closer to those partners that help bring that, right? It's like truly the only place I think in town that offers that advertising, um, with with um, with community with hospitality, right? I don't mm -hmm. think you can get all three of those things in one place, for, you know, outside of the Bismarck Larks baseball. Yeah. You know, there might be a place you can get more eyeballs, impressions, but are those valuable impressions? You know, mm -hmm. are those people remembering you for something good rather than just advertising? So we we try to take a different approach, and you know, again, our tickets. You know, the big thing we did differently was all inclusive food. No one had ever seen anything like that before up here. You know, it was always, okay, I'll buy the day of, and I, I walk up, and, yep. you know, we came out with these all-inclusive packages. And I'll never forget, I, we set a huge goal for ourselves our first year was to sell a 1,000 of what is called our Shield 7 game packs. And I thought, that's a big goal. You know, never done it in Kalamazoo. Only one team in our league's ever done that many. And we came out, you know, all-you-can-eat ballpark food, gifts, you know, all this stuff right. for, I think it was 15 bucks a ticket. You know, too good to be true. And we started marketing it, and I'll never forget the first ad we ran. It was like a 41, 41 to one return ROI on it. I mean, we we literally by December, within three months, we had uh, we sold eleven hundred of those packs, and our goal by May was a thousand. And we thought we have something special here, you know. Yeah. And just people bought into that. Hey, it's great value. It's entertainment. It's yeah. for my family, and you know that's that's the kind of culture we built. So yeah, is it a challenge every year to innovate and be different? Of of course, but I. I think that's what we thrive off of. How right. do we push the envelope? Because we want to be the place that people always go. What are they going to come up with next? Right. You know. Yeah, and you got a. I mean, you got a great team. I mean, oh, yeah. Caitlin and yeah, the, you know the whole staff over there. They just they're very innovative, and it's just you know you guys are always coming up with goofy stuff, so it's great. Yeah, it's fun. I mean, again, that's that's I I feel very lucky because yeah, I mean I you know. I might be the general manager, but I, I, I can't do this. I, they make me look good. You know, yeah. you got you know, this well, in you business, gotta you got to have a great team. Yeah, I mean, I, I can, I can have the vision for it. I can see it, see the philosophy, mm -hmm. see the why, and really help cultivate that. But without great people that buy in, you know, you can't, 
you can't force buy-in. You can't right. force hard work, right? right. Like you got to recruit great people that are just as passionate as you. And we got very lucky with with that, having a great team. And yep. um, so, what what would you say is your biggest challenge um, as you move the, the the team forward? And I mean, uh, let's say COVID yeah. goes away, right? Like, let, yeah. like pre-COVID, like what as 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 a GM owner and just where you want this team to go, what, what would you say has been like the biggest challenge and how you, and how did you overcome that or have you overcome that? Yeah. You know, I think now it's a really exciting time um, for us because we are looking at growth opportunities right mm -hmm. at the ballpark. Can we look to expand? Can we add seats? You know, are we ready for that um, with our partners? Can we not just make it an experience at the ballpark that they get with us, but can we make it a 365 day of the year thing? Can we be mm -hmm. doing special events? Can we be doing other community content pieces that give them value but you know if that's a magazine publication if that's getting into social digital assets we become the videographer we become the person sitting down with the client and figuring out how can we do this for you year round right right are there other organizations or teams to look at in the in, in this area in north dakota right like so for me i love the growth like again our mission is not win baseball games it's how do we use fun to make a difference that doesn't just mean baseball but on that same t ticket how do I balance growth and the future with never uh, taking my finger off the pulse of what's got us here? And right. that is our fans, you know, that is our corporate clients. And, and so that is continually to innovate and keep changing this product, you know, so that people are getting extremes amount of value every, every single year. Hmm. And if we can build that trust up with that core group, guess what? If we come out with a new thing, a new team, a new, a new right. product, a new line for sponsors, we're going to have so much trust with them. They're going to go, well, heck yeah, why wouldn't I do that? Right. So I, I think for me now it's, 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 it's balancing growth and COVID kind of, I think, put a, put a stop on it, you sure. know, and I, I yep. think if anything, it actually, I want to say humbled me because I, I, I always make this a huge point in our team to show appreciation and gratitude for those that we have, you know, mm -hmm. our partners and our fans, but it really showed me, I mean, I mean, literally John, when, when every fan that we called and our sponsors said, John, we're in, we got your back. Mm -hmm. You know, don't don't worry about this. Even if you don't have a season, we're going to support you. Mm -hmm. When we had that, I mean that. I, I mean, I literally had tearful conversations with partners and fans mm -hmm. about that. And I was hearing stories from other teams. Sp sponsors are out, fans are out. You know, it was almost yeah. like the the crack that maybe they had had grown for five years. This was the reason to break. You know, just yeah. okay. You know, we're not happy. You're not happy. We we had basically no one that did that. Yeah. And that showed me just the power of what a relationship truly is. Yeah. And so we, you know, I never want to uh, take that for granted and always show that appreciation. And almost the growth now is how do I grow and add value for them? So I, it's a fun challenge, you know, of how do we, yeah. you know, and then, you know, everything else, you know, all the fires that happen on a daily basis. I mean, they're still, they're, they're running the business doesn't go away. Right. right. Um, right. And, you know, the more you grow employees and you get, you yeah. know, okay, how do I keep everyone and, happy? Yeah. And, you know, so there's a lot of challenges. But for me, it's it. I think that's the one that's it's a challenge. But God, it's exciting. Yeah. I, I love it. I'll take a yeah. challenge all day to figure that one out. Well, you, John, you can tell that you're passionate about it. You love what you do. And, it, you know, that's I think that's the biggest thing is, you know, I always make comments that passionless people are passionless. People are pitiful. Yeah. Right. And you have to love and you have to have a passion because that's what and you can just see it that you just. You know, you just love it, yeah. and uh, it's it's kind of fun to be around. You know, it's in, it's intoxicating. So you're doing a great job. Um, you know, what, what if the one thing that you could say to listeners or fans? What would be the one thing that you would um, say to the people out there? Yeah, that are if they well if they're a Larks fan. Um, I, honestly, the only thing I could say right now is thank you. 
Um, thank you. Uh, so much gratitude, so much appreciation, so much love. I, you know, I, I just, we came here on the premise that we, we wanted to do this extraordinary, wanted to stand out, but we wanted to do it right. You know, and so I just, after going through this year, everything we've, we've uh, had to go through, fans have had to go through, sponsors, the community, I just want to say thank you for sticking with us and always know that we are never, you know, we always want to get better. So, you know, fans can, if there's anything we can do better, improve upon, you want to see next year, let us know. And we, this is the community's team. I really believe that. And for those that haven't been to a Larks game or aren't a fan, you know, yet, just haven't seen it, uh, you know, a biggest thing would say, give us a chance. Come out, check it out, see what it's about, um, whether it's your business and entertaining clients, customers, you know, you're taking your family out. If it is looking at some of our advertising sponsorship options, you know, we really do try to limit that so that it's more valuable for the partners we have. But, you know, every single year we'd love to talk to new businesses and see how we can creatively help them. But, yeah, just be a part of it. We're, we're, we want to be a movement. Again, and how, right. how do we use fun to make a difference? And that's how I measure success at the end of the year uh, more than, you know, just dollars and cents. So Great. So if, if those who, for those who haven't been to a game or those that are looking for information, is there a, a number they can reach or is there a website yep. they can go to? Do you want to just fill the lesson? Yeah, larkspacebell.com is the best thing. You know, I okay. mean, again, we have a number, but I, I, I see those commercials now that say their number. I'm like, no one no one remembers <laughs> that. Is that still a thing? You know, it's so like, you don't want to give your personal cell phone no, number? No, <laughs> I would. If, if someone could text me at any time, that's actually on the website too. But uh, larkspacebell.com, every single thing's on there. Again, my email is john at larkspacebell.com. I'm like an anal emailer. So if you do email me, I, will, I can never delete it unless I answer it or it gets done. So that's probably the best way to get a hold of me if anyone right. has questions or comments or anything to, to ask me. so Awesome, man. Well, I really appreciate you coming in. Um, we appreciate what you guys are doing for the community. And just uh, thanks again for spending some time and sharing your story. It's been awesome. Well, thank you, John. And to all the listeners, again, Solid Rock Financial, you guys are a tremendous partner of ours. You've been a tremendous friend of ours. And we just really appreciate everything that you do for us. And I think you might see the passion on my end, but if people don't know who you are, they need to meet you because I, I think I've told you this. I've never met someone who has more passion about what they do. And I think what I, what I love about our relationship is we, both of us are always trying to challenge the status quo and do things yep. differently that, that, that are not just to be different, but because we know by being different, we can help those who want to serve. Right. And I, I don't think I've met someone as passionate than me are, you know, probably more passionate than me than you well, on your that. subject matter. So well, I, I highly recommend talking with you. Oh, thanks. Yeah. So that's a cheap plug, everybody. Yeah, right? yeah, yeah. yeah. He but didn't again, pay me to do that. No, th <laughs> thank, yeah, the invoice is in the mail, right? Yeah, yeah, yeah. So again, I appreciate you, man, coming oh. in. It's been fun to um, chat with you and uh, look forward to the seasons coming up, too. Absolutely. All right, man.